You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 120 with Steve Pokros from Verblio. Steve, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Now, you run Verblio. I was almost going to say Burblio then. I don't know how my brain went to that. Just way too early in the morning, like most of these podcasts for me. Uh, But Verblio is a content marketplace uh, platform that I feel like are doing things differently than most other content uh, marketing marketplaces (laughs) out there. And we're going to dig into that this show and talk about, you know, how agencies can outsource content creation without, you know, sacrificing quality. Uh, And I think you are the perfect person to talk to. So Steve, let's start with a little bit of an introduction about uh, who you are and and Verbio. Great. Um, So uh, my name is Steve Pakras. I'm here in Denver, Colorado. It's the end of my day and the beginning of your day. Um, I grew up in Denver and spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley, a few years in South America, a bunch of years in uh, uh, East Coast, Chicago, all around before I came back to my hometown. Uh, so I'm here. Uh, I basically joined, um, so I had my first career was in nonprofits based in San Francisco. I was doing affordable housing, micro lending, things that I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life <laughs> that still really get me all psyched up and, and uh, impassioned. And then I went to business school in uh, 2000 to 2002 in the middle of the dot bomb crash. Oh. And so I came out and everybody went to their core business of wherever they came from. And uh, there was no business for me to go back to. And so I was happy to enter tech for the very first time. And I joined a startup in 2004 uh, that was a really one of the founders of the marketplace SaaS um, kind of model. At the time, there was no word marketplace. There was no word SaaS, but anybody who's been in business a while knows how that goes. Uh, And so we were trying to reinvent the call center space. We had a network of 20,000 home-based agents, mostly stay-at-home moms. And we had a bunch of the original Netscape crew. We had two of the first eight Netscape engineers. And we were trying to figure out how do you create a virtual model here you've got the internet and you have home-based workers and something can connect them to produce something better than has ever done before as a service. So that company was called LiveOps and I had a really fun ride. I was in charge of business and development and strategy, um, eventually VP and running the whole thing. But when I first came on board, I was supposed to create new businesses based on marketplaces and SaaS together. And so I got to create five, eight of them and find the whole power of what can you really do when you combine these two that's never been done before, where you can create unique value in the market uh, that people haven't seen. So I'm I'm interested to know more about that, but I also want to know how that live ops business went. I feel like like my gut reaction was that that was way too early, but (laughs) like, how did Mm. it go? Yeah, well, there's that classic expression in uh, in, in in startup land. Was it's being being early and being uh, and being wrong are the exact same thing. So uh, we were a little early. Um, so we grew from I think it was like eight million when I got there to 150 million in revenue. We brought on some serious big shots wow. like 
the chief operating officer of eBay, became our CEO. We were ranked number three to go public that year, and LinkedIn was ranked number seven, and things were flying off uh, wow. off the handle. And um, we kind of changed our business model. We were a tech-enabled services, so we were selling call center services based on a SaaS platform. And all the rage was SaaS. Everybody had to have a SaaS multiple. You had to sell just the tech. You couldn't have people involved in your market at all. And so we really focused on how do we turn this tech-enabled service into just selling the uh, the tech platform, um, which was an incredible platform and something that had never been done before. But it also took kind of reinventing the space and, and starting your revenue model from a different place. Hmm. And so uh, both businesses still exist. They were still really successful, um, but they did not become you know what I'd. It didn't mm. become a brand name that you currently recognize. That's what I oh, have to well. say. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what do you mean when you say combining SaaS and a marketplace? So, I think when you think of, uh, I'll start with SaaS first, which is when you, most of us think of SaaS, we think of Salesforce.com, which basically reinvented the entire hmm. concept of introducing technology mastering one workflow in a very kind of verticalized space. For them, it was sales, and then they moved outwards from that. And so you basically bring this level of subject matter expertise to the space, build software around it, and then a big part of the value, that that already existed before. There were tons of companies that were doing that, but nobody had done it on uh, virtually, so you could have the flexibility, scalability, and make it on demand. And so once Salesforce started that movement, it, we basically have the SaaS sprawl that we have today. Now there's a SaaS product for every possible vertical focus mm-hmm. in HR, down to the recruiting process, down to the feedback process and reviews. Uh, and that took, sprawl kind of took over and has been the next wave of the giant, uh, giant companies has been B2B focused. Um, Marketplace has really taken the opposite, was really focused on services, which has always been kind of the backwaters of the tech world, which is anything that involved people. And I think, you know, agencies probably feel this pain as well. It gets completely devalued by the tech world. Um, and so the, op- the object of most tech companies is to have as le- the, the least amount of spend on people as possible. And so there are two real kind of movers in this business. There was Upwork and Craigslist. You have the model of, hey, I can connect you to somebody you could never find before. And then you have to replicate the hiring model. You have to bring them on. You have to sort them. You have to train them and pray for the love of heaven that they're available when you actually need them because they're probably (laughs) going to go. And then you've got the... Then you've got the Uber model, which is like humans are widgets in the giant machine. And the machine performs the service where humans uh, basically have no creative value. And I think where marketplace meets SaaS becomes more compelling is skilled services that require unique technology together. And I think content creation is one of them, call center operators that kind of ensure higher levels, uh, designers, QA engineers, the next level of workers. And I think this is really going to be a big movement of these areas where you have to have customized software and skilled labor pools that are highly curated that know how to use it to deliver higher end services. And that's the, that's the vision I'm seeing. Nice. So how then, like, so does that mean Verbio, when when you hire writers through Verbio, is is it kind of enforcing some kind of process? Like, is is it helping the writers write? Is that what the SaaS component is? Yeah, so it does a few things. So it's you... Coming to our, the Verblio platform, so we have a curated network of a thousand plus writers. We actually are lowering the number of writers every year as opposed to expanding them because mm-hmm. we're trying to find the right size pool. 
And so about four and a half percent of them pass our writing test. And then the way they get more work is they match themselves to you. So we've inverted the, the marketplace to actually provide more aligned marketplace incentives. Now, when they, when the platform comes in, so we have to help the writers match themselves to you. And then we basically are doing a big part of the platform is downloading your preferences and interest levels into the writer's hands with as little friction as possible. So we have to basically set your preferences as a company, and then by topic, you'll have your SEO preferences, you'll have, do you like bullet points? Do you like long forms? Never use the Oxford comma and very bizarre kind of, you have- I I do hate the Oxford comma. I totally on board with that. (laughs) I feel exactly the opposite, and I think we should stop this podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I didn't even see it used until so far into my life. I was like, why is there an extra comma here? So this is so as weird as this is. This is exactly what we're talking about. You have no idea what you care about for your writing until yeah. you see it back. Yeah. So we're trying to ask every one of those questions up front. The more we can download your preferences as a client and give it to the writer without interaction, the more affordable and scalable uh, and higher quality we can make this interaction. So it does that, and then it helps agencies manage. We have a developed white label system, so. We have agencies manage 100 different clients, sending it out to their end clients for feedback. So we have clients doing 1,200 pieces of unique content on our platform, and it has to be able to be manageable at scale, which is kind of its own little conundrum. So that, that feedback system is built in? The feedback system is built in. So the idea is, just like ever, like good tech platforms have taught us over the last 15 years, the more that we can bring customer feedback in, we can tone your preferences. Mm. So we ask for your your feedback on every piece of content that you review, and then every new writer that would see you or see your um, your pieces would have your feedback. And so basically you're fine-tuning that group and you're nice. preferring a group of uh, kind of you're building your own team of writers. Yeah. Awesome. Now, I promise listeners that uh, they'll always get something out of each, each episode. So I promise we are going to get to how you can use this uh, in your own business. I was just extremely curious about how this like SaaS plus marketplace thing works. And now it is completely clear to me. Uh, huh. So yeah, so, well, like more, well. I did much better than I thought. Yeah, no, I, I, I cut, well, I'm visualizing, I'm, I've got a picture in my head and, you know, maybe it, uh, I'm inferring a few things, but like, I get it now, like why the, there's actual processes as part of it, you know, like, whereas if you get someone on Upwork, you hire them and it's like, it's pretty much sending them messages and them sending you a document or like a Google doc link going, do you like this? Which is a big difference, right? Especially if you're working with clients, like if you were trying to handle working with clients as of course an agency is, and you've got multiple writers on Upwork, um, you know, these processes that basically just don't exist. I can, it's a, it's a pain in the ass, like straight up. So I get it. Um, So yeah, it's, I, I actually really like, this idea. So what, I mean, is there anything that agencies can learn? Like what, what have you learned? Uh, like what, what I'm learning about listening to this is the, the, uh, briefing process, right? Like you guys seem to be really heavy on, like you said, the Oxford comma and, and all that sort of thing. And for sure, those kind of things, I reckon a lot of agencies would miss, and it's kind of like forcing you to put those preferences in place because, you know, if you a lot of agencies are just going to hire someone and expect them to uh, understand what they want, just like uh, what's the word? Reading minds, <laughs> Te- telepathy. Yeah, so, yeah tele- 
telepathically? I don't know. What's the, the adjective of that? That's it. <laughs> there we go. I don't word good. That's why you're the content guy, not me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, and, and the only reason I say this is because I'm completely guilty of it. I want someone to just ex- exactly understand what I want and just do it, which is obviously never going to happen. So uh, getting people to brief properly, I think, is a, is a lesson uh, there. You know, like I've actually been forced recently to go through and uh, like do these kind of things. I, I've got to add the Oxford comma in now. No Oxford comma uh, after this. But I do try to say like we like bullet points for this kind of thing and bold and we like them formatted like this and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I've learned that over time, but I guess your platform is kind of forcing people into doing that, which is a good thing. Yeah. And it evolves constantly. So, so first of all, like the concept of getting a good intake form is very, got to be very, it's got to resonate with agencies, right? I'm sure Mm -hmm. you guys are all working on your best intake form. So you don't like get three weeks into your process and be like, I can't believe we don't agree on expectations. (laughs) Um, so we learned something all the time. So when I first started, we had a ton of Australian agencies who were like, why isn't there a drop down for Australian English and Austra- Australian spelling? And so we created that and we had to have a training doc for that. And then it had to be SEO certifications, like how many of our writers are inbound certified? We select for that. Uh, and then it was, um, I think one of our big ones recently is we always have one of our most important intake form items is an example of content that you really like. Like give us... There's no better thing for our writers to see mm. than what you already like. And then we had to start changing it from mediums as we're doing more podcast to, to, to written work, more video to, to written. So now we're doing intake forms for different media types too. So I don't even know what it'll be in three months from now, but hopefully I'll be helping you figure it out. That's good. And I, I can totally understand that like, the, the value to not for an agency not to go through this process themselves. You know, like hiring sucks. And I, it's, it's probably the, I literally wrote a big email about this last week, uh, about how much, because, because I've just been through the process of hiring and I hate it. And it, specifically I hired a writer. We wanted an, an internal manager to start, you know, and then we might look at some, some freelancers underneath. Uh, but just and, and even developers, you know, everyone you hire the process, you know, hundred, 120 applications, and then you've got to delete the. 90 that didn't even read the anything <laughs> and then yeah. you have to like whittle that down to a short list and and then like then you might have a few good people the bit i hate the most is saying no to the really good people that come through because you can only sometimes you can only have one totally and then and then you get to the point where like you have a sunk cost so you're like i must like this person mm. it is completely if i don't like this person i have to do it all again so you're convincing yourself that you must keep someone who's not there versus like like in a writing process someone tried out they sent you a piece and and we're only judging it based on their piece and they're going to keep sending you more yeah um so it also so i think the benefits are you get the command and control which is like you this person is completely under your influence you can work as much as you want uh, but also they have to get your preferences. And the negative side is they're always doing that same amount of work, whether you need more or less. Mm. And so uh, the reason I like, I think some of our value is that we can supplement. If you need less content creation, you can use less of us. And if you want to scale it up, you can go make an RFP as an agency for a content plat- or a content bid that's like 10 times the size of your company, confidently make it and then go say, all right, let's turn it on. Yeah. I guess that's the benefit of having freelancers and, and stuff you can turn on like in all parts of agency life, you know, having a network of white labelable services, you know, across like maintenance and development design. Like if you've got those people to call on, you can uh, bid on much bigger projects. So 
what would you say to like, cause I know we, we spoke about this offline before and that a lot of agencies believe that like content, you, if you hire a content, a, like a agency or something, you're going to get burned and just get average content. Right. And I a hundred percent empathize with this because I'm almost the same. Like almost every, if I use a productized service for content, they almost universally sucked. Yep. Um, what would you say to an agency that's looking to hire, you know, content? Obviously, we'll, we'll talk about Verbio some more, but like just other tips that that agencies can use to one. I mean, should they just not use productized services at all? Uh, except, you know, like what would you say? Do you manage WordPress sites for your clients? If so, you should probably check out WP Remote. It's a central platform to manage all of your sites in one place. That includes security, malware, uptime monitoring, and it's even got a built-in staging system. But my favorite feature is the visual regression system that will give you an alert if something breaks on an update so you can get in there and fix it. It was created by the same people behind BlogVault and Melcare. Now, BlogVault is one of the best backup plugins I've used, and it's also trusted by some of the biggest WP maintenance agencies out there like GoWP, WP Buffs, WP Valet. So if these guys rely on it, you know it's rock solid. You can try WP Remote for free and get 10% off any of the paid offerings by going to wpremote.com highway. Now let's get back to the show. Uh, I'd say a few things. I think that when I keep... So I took over this company four years ago, and it was definitely in the state where I would say that was exactly where the industry was. And we've been trying to rethink that and create other options where the there's the classic iron triangle of project management that says you can have speed and scale and affordability or quality. You can only have two of those three, but you can never have three. And I just think that's a false premise. Right. I think... Uh, you had to re- reinvent the model. There are so many tools and technology and business models to rethink and how to do it. So I'm trying to bring back that in. I think that quality is at a, uh, a level that it's worth trying again if you haven't. But the other tips I would give is one is the you should have someone on your team who's focused on managing these outsourced platforms. Because if you're just putting in... I mean, I, I think a lot of my talking points are very similar to agency talking points. If you're not getting good briefs, you're going to get bad content back and you're going to get qual- bad quality from your service. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody who can do it like having somebody who's your content strategist. So most of the best agencies we work with have taken their content writer. That r- content writer has been up-leveled to a content strategist. And now they manage you know, my pool. Maybe they have 20 writers in their pool that can scale up and down, gets their the consistent quality. And it's the way they get in. So it's really the classic quality in, quality out. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the management at the agency level is so important. Um, we just had an agency recently that came to us and they were like, all right, well, I don't want to hire a content person. It's because I, you know, I'm bringing on you guys. So I'm going to take some of my SEO guys that are great at technical SEO and put them in charge. Mm-hmm. And they basically just started accepting every piece of content being like, that's good enough. Um, and then the CEO <laughs> saw it and it was like, this is not, this is not up to my standards. Uh, and so we revamped his system and put a content strategist on top of it to really get the most out of it. Um, cause yeah. there just needs to be, it's a, it's a role in a company to manage your strategic partners, I think. Well, uh, I mean, and, and I mean, I totally get this because as a founder, you know, I am generally the person that's historically been working with writers, you know, and I have to check them over and I'm not dedicating anywhere near enough time to 
like looking over and, and briefing as what I should be because I'm a freaking founder and I've got so many other damn things to do. <laughs> and yeah, I think you're my, you're my nightmare client. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's literally why we hired someone in content first, right? Yeah. They're going to be a writer, but they're hopefully going to end up as like a strategist at some point, you know, uh, that's this kind of, maybe that's totally. a mistake. No, I think you're exactly right. And so truthfully, I do say when people ask me what's my worst client, I always say it's the CEO who mm. thinks that he or she is going to be interacting with the platform. Um, so the second big tip that I would give is there are humans on the other side. There are skilled freelancers out there and they are dedicating their careers to building content. They're putting themselves at risk to write this content for you. And so our best agencies are treating the freelancers at the other end like humans that they want to be strategic partners of theirs. And so they'll get back to them quickly. We're writing, our average turnaround time is less than 48 hours for a thousand words, which is really fast. So these guys are cranking it out. They put their own risk. We have clients not responding within 30, 60 days, 90 days. And so the better you treat them, the better quality content you're going to get and the more you're going to get out of the service. You know, it's, it's ironic a little bit because one of the biggest problems that agencies have with clients is clients not responding and then yep. you have your agency clients come in and then not respond <laughs> so i totally get it though because agencies are some of the most overworked busy people there are and, and that's why i think it you know you could actually hire a, a content strategist freelancer to sit in the middle you know you don't have to go straight to hiring a full-time person there are plenty of content strategy freelancers around yeah, that would be a great Upwork person to bring onto your team. You could do 20 hours a week. They would get your preferences. You'd have a person to like, you know, have that more direct content with and to really guide it until you had enough uh, yeah. enough capacity to bring on someone full time. I guess what we, we haven't really talked about is like if there's agencies listening to this that don't even produce content for their clients and they're like, prob- they're probably tuned out already by now. We should have <laughs> but uh, should have talked about why you know, why it is important. And like, I'm just a big fan of any way that you can add value to your clients and increase uh, the, you know, your bottom line in ways that are relatively easy. You know, obviously content creation to most people seems like a really difficult service to add on top, like add to their clients. But if you can have a decent enough system, like, uh, you know, I'm imagining that content strategy freelancer managing a team of writers through a place uh, like a platform like Verblio, that can be something that you've outsourced fairly quickly that can be charged quite like, well, you can, the content is people understand. I think most people understand that content isn't cheap. uh, Otherwise you've got to, you know, upgrade your clients, I guess. And it can be a really good service to, to add. Yeah, I think there's a couple. So two thirds of our revenue comes from digital agencies. So there are some agencies who believe this Hmm. uh, to their core. And I think Hmm. the reason they do is twofold. One is the subscription revenue you're talking about. You can have an ongoing revenue stream. You built their website. It took three months. You got a one project. If you build their content program for them and you run it ongoing, there's two things that happen. One is our agencies that are most successful with outsourcing content charge two to three X what we charge. Mm. So it becomes a profit stream for you. And the second is you have constant contact with this client afterwards. They don't just go away. Mm-hmm. So you have a reason to go back to them, to check in on them. Uh, and you can keep that, a lot of that relationship in a kind of a lower retainer fashion too. Yeah. It's, it's such a strong channel too, you know, especially when like SEO, like I'm not a big fan of content for content's sake. Like I really like, 
basing content around things people are searching for. I like it, It's a battle actually that I've always got all the time, especially with my YouTube channel. I can create things that people are looking for or I can create things that are just awesome that I think are awesome. They're going to save people a lot of time and they get like a tenth of the views because no one's no one even knows that's possible. So like it's hard to balance, but um, I just feel like it's easy to sell content to clients when it's going to bring a consistent stream of traffic leads clients you know and because that's that's what content does if it's ranking for the right keywords uh, and especially in markets like i'm in a market that's highly competitive right like i'm targeting digital agencies we still rank pretty well for a lot of stuff but when you go to offline worlds like so agencies are obviously going to be working with more offline clients i spoke to someone recently who works in like a uh it's software for um like big medical practices and which surprisingly i would have thought would be competitive but they are just already destroying it with like content and seo because it's just bugger all competition so i think it's really easy service to justify for clients it's uh and there's there's less opportunities well in in the day of the content the current crisis while content Content used to be king. You know, you can make what that, that phrase whatever you'd like to. It does give you an ongoing annuity. There's just so many less channels out there than you used to have. So mm. um, it's particularly important right now. And it's also something that you can do during the crisis where your your audience is going to find you when they're ready for you. And outbound sales and more of the paid marketing where you're trying to push your, your message when you want it to be in front of someone is becoming a harder time to do so. So it's oh, got yeah. kind of like a, a good feel of people are looking for you. You're there. Mm. Um, plus it works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'd love to be able to do more paid advertising. but We find it really difficult to make work for our business. But uh, I, I think that there's actually a... a a lot of value in doing both you know if you're going to use paid advertising using it to drive to its content not yep. to you know buy my shit it, the, instead it's like here's some content that's helpful for you and there's plenty of other ways to then get that person to come back you know like this is totally it's not really off topic actually it's it's maybe something that agencies have or haven't thought about but you know with content snare we have lots of content there's a remarketing pixel on facebook on lots of things um but there are certain posts if they are tagged with um, web design, we automatically push that into a web designer audience in, in Facebook. So then we can remarket directly to them for content snare, you know? So based on what articles they've read, you can remarket them into either other content or into, you know, if you know, someone's your audience, if they read a specific type of post, then, uh, then you can remarket to them, you know, and, and remarketing doesn't cost anywhere near as much as trying to do cold ad, uh, cold traffic so that's been a really cost effective strategy for us remark retargeting is all we use to yeah nice cool so you mentioned covid there like what have you noticed anything change in the content world like before and to now like how's it what's happened yeah a couple things happened that were really big so the biggest trends before I know you, you and a lot of your guests talk about content all the time, which is a huge, it's a huge point. It should be talked about all the time. So I don't think any of these trends are going to like shock you, but huge trend towards long form content of actually writing for humans as opposed to writing for the machine. We saw the average word length, which I like to share one of the stats is when I took over in 2016, less than 5% of our content was a thousand words or more. And now it's 72% or something like above 70. Yeah. I I consider a thousand quite uh, low 
an hour. Like a thousand words to me is like a really small post. <laughs> it is. It's, and it's becoming an arms race out there for content with words, especially on the industry, like personal injury content, which is one of the most highly, compl- you know, competitive yeah. areas. Holy crap. These guys are writing a lot of words. Wow. Um, so big trend towards long form, very dependent on industry, very dependent on geography as well. Uh, and then second was multimedia, really trying to, uh, we acquired a video company two years ago to turn every post into into video really quickly and affordably as well. And there's just been more demand for engagement design and things of that nature. Post-COVID, there's been a few big trends. One is that every, the overall theme is the patience level for getting SEO to kick in is much lower. So really? people, are, people are looking for results like quickly. What do I got that can work now? Because I got to show, I got to show some, <laughs> like we go get, we have three minutes to live or three months to live. Right. Uh, and so we've seen a couple big trends there. One is uh, SEO refreshes, um, taking existing content that worked and much more consistently sending us large batches every month that we can refresh the SEO angle on it and, uh, and also put in new, new, new language mm-hmm. um, to rank higher on Google. The second is uh, repurposing content that already exists. So um, podcasts and videos, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, and turning those into blog posts. We have like a new podcast product where we're turning it into like an enhanced summary with quotes and best practices and things like that that we share out. And we're getting asked to do more and more of that type of work. Here's a conference. You know, here's 30 videos that we had from the conference. Turn all of those into SEO work that will turn into micro, micro videos as well. Nice. And the third, third big trend is a lot of thought leadership. So a lot of the CEOs, executives who have just been sitting on the sidelines being like, content's one of my top five priorities every year, but it's number 30 any given day. So I just never do it. Mm-hmm. Are finally trying to figure out how to do it. Uh, and so... Uh, you had Joey Gilkey on a little while ago, and he talks about how, like, uh, you know, a salesperson that gets sixty to seventy percent of what the CEO can do is an awesome salesperson. They're doing much more than you would do otherwise. And I think of writers in the exact same fashion. So most CEOs don't use outsourced writers or ghost writers because they're like they'll never get me. They'll never capture exactly what I'm saying, and so they do nothing. And so I'm basically taking an approach of. If I can get a writer to my writers, and this is what I do, to draft 70% of what I need, and I'm going to spend a lot of time after, a blank cursor on a, on a screen terrifies me. It's the worst thing I can see. <laughs> but 70% there, I feel like I could do this. And so a lot more executives are writing thought leadership pieces and really getting their thoughts out into the content world. And I think what this is going to do is really transform what content is from purely SEO driven. I do this so I get organic traffic to thinking about all the other benefits of content of making your audience more familiar with you, bringing them through the funnel, helping them through 20 touch points before they actually gain trust in your brand. Mm. Um, and kind of getting back to more towards a brand marketing approach versus purely SEO for the, for the ROI purpose. Yeah, I think you do have to do a mix. And like I was saying before, I do this with my uh, YouTube channel. Like I just occasionally put in stuff that most of it's SEO based content because I'm trying to grow my channel, right? I'm trying to actually get people to show up. Um, and that's really hard when you're putting out like small bits that no one's searching for. <laughs> you know, a, right. Yeah. And then you feel bad because you don't get enough views or whatever. It's just like, oh, what am I doing wrong? It's like everyone I know that's built a, uh, a good channel is generally, well, like it's a lie. There's lots of entertainment people. Obviously, people aren't searching for that kind of thing. But in business world, it seems to be mostly like search based. Uh, yeah, within the sprinkled in the other stuff, the thought leadership stuff. 
Um, I was really interested in those uh, services you were talking about too, like turning podcasts into into posts and stuff, because that's like literally what we hired someone for, and I'm sure she's going to run out of steam really quick. So I'm sure we will be looking at Verblio in the near future. We'll be what? there. Yeah. So <laughs> is there anything else you think we need to cover before we wrap this up? I don't even know how to answer that question. Uh, yes, yeah, I know. It's so super much open-ended. The t- yeah. I feel like the two of us could just talk for the next two hours about content, agency services, marketing strategy, and then, you know, post-COVID responses and all of these. Yeah. If there's well, anything, anything you'd like to dive deeper onto, I'm more than happy to. Yeah. Actually, there is one thing, and that is, like, quality in content. Like, we, we spoke before about how there's so many um, – posts out there or like so many so productized services content agencies whatever that just churn out crap content and i think that's a result of a lot of i don't know seo type things or or just making it look like you're doing work for clients but what is like how do you define quality in content like what what should people be looking for so quality is it's a super hard question it's not as mm. it's I think you intended it to be as complex as it is actually, which is quality really depends on the expectations of what the, um, what the, the client is looking for and also what the audience is looking for. Mm. And it's a lot more tangible to know what the client is looking for. Uh, and so meeting those expectations and saying, here's an example, um, write something to this level, I think is really important, but it's, um, different types of quality for different types of content, depending on the purpose, mm. which makes it one of the biggest challenges we have. So first of all, we tried to create a model that creates better quality based on more motivated writers in an easier to use platform. And we think combination of all of those better matching of writers, better motivated writers, better skilled writers is one part of it. And then better training the clients on guiding those writers to what they want is the other hard part. And that's probably the hardest part. I feel like we've really done as good a job as we can do to this point we're going to keep getting better at it on the writer motivation in those fronts but mm. it's really up to us to guide the client to help them define what quality is ahead of time and i also think that probably aligns pretty well with how agencies have to define quality in a project as well mm. it's like that expectation setting up front what are you looking for yeah like for me uh, yeah well we've just recently received quite a lot of different pieces of content because we're hiring a writer um and i saw like a quite a big range and you know i think to me what it comes down to is is showing that they've actually thought this out into like a a um i don't know the structure of the content is one of the biggest things to me like uh and, and that's really evident if they've written it in a way that skim readers can read it because I'm yep. a skim reader. A lot of people are now. Very few people read a whole thing on the internet. Um, so, you know, I, I'd receive some bits of content that were just a wall of text with a couple of headings, right? And, you know, long paragraphs would be like six or seven lines per paragraph. And as a skim reader, I just, I really struggled even to read these things that people had sent me. Uh, whereas if someone has laid it out, you know, they've clearly thought about the structure of this. So they've got like dot points uh, with like bold, you know, one of my favorite layout styles is having a dot point with a few words bold that summarizes it and then a dash and then sort of the rest of the dot point. Um, you know, and to me, that's really good for a skim reader because I, that's what I'm going to read, right? I'm going to read the headings and those kind of things and anything that's like bolded or, you know, block quotes, that kind of thing. Like that's the stuff that really stands out to me about quality content is when, Obviously, they can write a lot of fluff within that. But if they've got short sentences and short paragraphs, it's hard to write a lot of fluff 
because you have to get that point into those short sentences. Yeah. So, th- I mean, the point you make is absolutely perfect, which is some people think when they say quality, it's objective writing, like your use of language, uh, your punctuation, things of that nature. Some think what, what you're saying is, which is the layout and the structure and the outline, it just flows, it's easy to consume, it's digestible. Mm. And then some have the more ethereal kind of subject matter expertise slash research level, which is really one of the hardest levels to discuss, which is like nobody knows your company better than you. And if you're an agency working for a company that nobody knows it better than that company that then has to tell you what to do it, then you have to pass on to the writer to get that level of expertise. And so um, I think that the triangle between those two, three, those three levels really makes saying, answering your question a little more challenging, but that's where we're trying to get to with our intake process of what do you see as quality? Tell us what you like, because we're going to try to match that and show you what our, that our quality meets them. Nice. Well, where can people go to find out a bit more about Verblio? Um, so you can go to verblio.com. Verb is V-E-R-B-L-I-O.com. Uh, for the easy, we try to make our website as engaging as possible and making it fun. Uh, you can find me at uh, steve at verblio.com or on LinkedIn. Uh, and then I also have a podcast, The Verblio Show, if you want to find us on any, any of your podcast platforms. We try to make it entertaining as well. Nice. Uh, yeah, and all these will be linked up at agencyhighway.com slash 120. Um, I honestly think we'll become a Verblio client in the future. So uh, it was awesome to have you on and talk through content, Steve. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.